0: Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is The More by Pastor Sean Wood. Just think back the year 2000s. We haven't had a world war, but we've had many unrests and we've had many conflicts. We've we've had 9-11. 9-11 reshaped the planet. If you don't believe me, walk into an airport and say the word bomb. Exactly. You think words don't have power? Drop that one in the airport and you could spend some time thinking about it. And uh, But after nine eleven, we had the global financial crisis. I had, uh, I know, a step-uncle that was two years from retirement and lost over half of his superannuation in the global financial crisis. Had to keep working for some time. And so a lot of people suffered through that. And if that wasn't bad enough, then, of course, uh, there was this little thing called a global pandemic that we've just gone through. But what all of that has highlighted, and uh, there's a group called... A guy by the name of Barna, they do some surveys and research. And what they found, particularly after the COVID pandemic, was this. There's a lot of questions and a lot of nuances that go into this one statistic. But they said that uh, in the Western world, particularly in Australia and America, uh, people today are 83% more likely and more open to a spiritual conversation. Now, that's not directly I want to talk about God. That's not directly I want to talk about Christianity and the Bible, but they are more open to the fact that there is a better answer or better solution to the chaos. But you could lay the Gospel of John over our culture and the same message applies today because John writes to an audience that are both Jewish and Greek And the Greeks would sit around forever wondering, yes, we can see all the regularity and all of the design in the universe. And they were trying to find the answer behind everything. And the Jews were still searching the scriptures, trying to find the Messiah, Uh, still doing it today, by the way, in some corners of the globe, there are still Jewish people looking for the Messiah. We found him. It's all right. Uh, Surprise. But uh, for John, he writes to both of these guys and says, I have found the ultimate answer. In the beginning was the word, Logos, the ultimate explanation. And fast forward some 2,000 years since John wrote his gospel to the culture around us today, we have the ultimate explanation. His name is Jesus. Truth is not a concept. Truth is not a formula. Truth is a person. Today, on the back of that context... John writes, and when John writes, he wants us to know who Jesus is, right? So all of the teachings are focused on who is Jesus. But all of the miracles, and there's only seven of them in the Gospel of John, all of the miracles, John uses a different word. He uses the word sign. Because what he wants us to know is this is a physical miracle, this is something that's happening in the physical that points us to a greater awareness of who Christ is. It's a sign. And you know when you're driving along the road, and your husband keeps driving past those signs, and you know I told you to take the exit six weeks ago. Um, But uh, this is a sign to reveal who Jesus is. But there's a lot going on in this miracle. applies to us today. Let's work our way through. Chapter 6, verse 1. After this, after what? Uh, After this, if you read Mark and Luke's account of exactly the same miracle, uh, please understand that the feeding of the 5,000 is in every gospel. The feeding of the 4,000 is a separate event. We're going to touch briefly on that one later when we finish. But the feeding of the 5,000 is listed in every gospel. In in Mark's gospel and in Luke's gospel, uh, this happens directly after an intense period of ministry. Uh, Jesus has commissioned the disciples sent them out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick and to cast out demons. Then they come back and Jesus desires to take them away to a desolate place, Mark tells us, for a time of leisure. Uh, for those that are saying, you know what, I want to get involved in ministry, here's a secret the gospels reveal, no such thing as leisure because the crowds are hot on their heels after this Jesus went away to the other side of the sea of Galilee which is the sea of Tiberius uh, this is really uh, pointing to the accuracy of the gospels uh, by the time John writes uh, we've gone past well past 20 AD and uh, Herod Antipas uh, in honor of the then Caesar Tiberius uh, forms a city on the lake of the sea of Galilee And he calls that city Tiberius in honour of the then reigning emperor uh, Caesar uh, Tiberius. And it's not long before the lake inherits the same name. So we see the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Notice what John says there. They saw the signs and it has, a, it has grabbed their awareness. We, we, there's something going on here. Uh, this large crowd, uh, 5,000 men, which means we possibly or more likely have 20,000 people. Jesus had the first megachurch. A large crowd, but here's how Jesus described them. In uh, Luke's account, he describes them as sheep without a shepherd. They've seen the signs, their interest is aroused, they wonder what's going on. But like the culture around us today, they are like sheep without a shepherd. The fastest growing religion in the Western world today is the New Age movement. Why? Because people have abandoned any kind of logic or sense for the experience of something far deeper. They're hungry, people are spiritually hungry just like these large crowds. In the other gospel accounts, the disciples say to Jesus, send them away because they're hungry and we don't want any harm to Send them away so they can go into the villages and get something to eat. And Jesus says, here's a message to the church today, you give them something to eat. We have the bread of life. Large crowds, desperate crowds, hungry crowds. And outside these walls, we, we see things like alternative lifestyles and political agendas thrown across the television screens and, and activists from all kinds of... Uh, we've had racial upheaval and Black Lives Matters and all of these sorts of things, but at the end of the day, underneath all of those things is a deep, deep spiritual hunger and a yearning for the only, the only bread that will bring them satisfaction, just like these crowds. I have a confession to make this morning. If, my, if I was a car, I don't have cruise control. It drives my wife insane. She's not here, so she can't say amen, but from Tasmania, she'll say amen. Uh, but it drives my wife insane. But I, just, I have no sense of I just want to click cruise control and cruise along, and there's a reason for that. We have spiritually hungry people that are on an eight-lane highway to destruction There's no time for rest. We have the answer, friends. Uh, Imagine with me for a moment, imagine with me for a moment if you had the number one categoric antidote for cancer, but you decided to keep it to yourself and put it in the drawer at home. What would you do? Of course, you would. Why? Because people are perishing. There are people that are perishing. There are people that are hungry. There are people that are starving, that need the bread of life. And we have it. We know him. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews was at hand, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, why Philip in the Gospel of John, we don't really know. What do we know about Philip? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, When you get to the book of Acts, you read about Philip the evangelist, different Philip. This Philip, what we do know is uh, right at the beginning of the gospel, Philip is Andrew's brother and he's the one that goes to Nathaniel and says, we have found the one, we have found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. Nathaniel says, can anything good come from Nazareth? Uh, In our language, we would say, could anything good come from the north side? But it's kind of the same thing. But but here's what uh, Philip says. He says, come and see. Great words. You know what? Come and find out for yourself. You're hungry? Come and see. Come and, come, come and see. So that's, that's this fellow. Philip's from a town called Bethsaida, right on the Sea of Galilee. He speaks Greek. He may be one of the only disciples that speaks Greek. Notice in chapter 12, the Greeks come to Philip, who goes to Andrew, who goes to Jesus. But Jesus turns to Philip. I'm not sure whether God's ever done this to you done it to me on many occasions, so I'm sure he's probably done it to you as well, when he asks you a question that he already knows the answer to, or when God tests you and he already knows what he's going to do. Here's what Jesus says, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? Where are we to buy bread, Philip? Philip replies probably in the same way that all of us would reply, but Uh, John goes on and just gives us a little bit of clarification. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already knows what he's going (laughs) to do. But what's your answer, Philip? What's our answer today? Here we have starving masses, and we do, friends. You don't have to go far. Go to the supermarket when you leave here. There are, there are hundreds, if not thousands, if not into the millions of people surrounding us that are deeply, deeply hungry. You don't have to go far to find people in great need. But the question is, where are we to get bread for all of these people that are hungry? You know what? History has taught us that often we answer that question with, we'll we'll put on some more programs, we'll we'll get get a bigger building, we've got all the formulas down pat, we'll just keep doing this, we'll work, 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 and at the end of the day, Philip realises before he even starts, as we should, you know what, we are not enough. That's what Philip says. Philip says 200 denarii would not be enough to feed all of this crowd. 200 denarii is about uh, two-thirds of a year's wages. Well, here's what Philip's saying. Even if you had 200 denarii and you could get the bread, there's barely going to be enough for these guys to get a handful, if anything. And the reality is, friends, that Jesus is the only answer. Jesus is the only I was having a conversation recently uh, with somebody in the community. And it's interesting, you know, uh, I, I said, uh, you know, I'm a pastor and uh, uh, before they sort of, you know, make the jokes about, you know, the, the pasta you're eating and all that sort of stuff, you know, it's a, yeah, they're getting a bit old, but I've heard them all before. Um, but b- before we got to all of those, they said, oh, where do you do that? And I said, well, at The Rock. And they, you know, the first thing is they, they started listing everything we do in the community. Like, oh, yeah, that's where that food bank is. And, and you've got that weird team of volunteers. Like, oh, a weird team of volunteers are on. But... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but here's what they didn't say. Oh, you've got that great building and that we have an awesome worship team, by the way. You have an awesome worship. They didn't say that. They weren't looking at our formulas. My boys have taught me when you're hungry, you barely even care what's on the plate half the time. Unless it's green. (laughs) (laughs) Then it doesn't matter how hungry you are. You know, Philip's right. And the answer is, we we are not enough. Our programs are not enough. Our programs are not enough. Our self-help seminars are not enough. Jesus, we were going to see... Jesus is the only one who is ever going to be enough. Does he use us? Absolutely. Does he work? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get to all of that. He, he uses us. He, he shapes us. He molds us. He, he uses us as vessels and all of those things. Yes, but we will never be enough. He, he, you guys already know this, so you don't even need to send me emails. I'm never going to be enough. No pastor, no leadership team, no denomination, no guru, swami, prophet on YouTube is ever going to be enough. Only Jesus, only Jesus is enough. In fact, what we are going to see is Jesus is more than enough. He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread. And um, We need to begin to ask ourselves the question in a moment, what's the lesson here? What's, what's the first thing that we're going to take away? We're getting there in a moment, to buy enough bread for even them to get a little. Verse 8, one of the, his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? A great question, uh, and I've said this before, but uh, there's a reality here. Uh, it's not about what we have. It's about whose hand we put it into, which is why I have great hope for the Church of Jesus Christ. It's why I, ha- it's why I see great things for the rock because there's so much liberation in this miracle. Because you know what? We're not enough and we don't have to be. We just have to take what we have in our hands. He's a, he's a young boy. He's got, he's got... Now, the fish I catch is enough to feed 20,000 people. But... <laughs> I didn't hear any amens then, by the way. But we'll, uh, we'll have to do some intense discipling as the year goes on. But here's a young boy with five loaves and two fish. What are they? When you put it in the hands of Christ everything. You might be sitting here today, each individual, please hear me today, every individual. You might be sitting here thinking, who am I? What do I have? You might be sitting here, and I know nobody here is over 60, but you might be sitting here getting, you know, I'm in my twilight years and, and all of those things. You, you might be, what, what am I? I? I'm uneducated. I, I, what, what do I have? Whatever it is that you have, you put it in the hands of Christ and watch what he does. Yeah. Now, friends, I've got some confessions to make. You put an AFL football in my hand, it's worth about 50 bucks. You put an AFL football in the hands of Gary Ablett Jr., it's all of a sudden worth half a million dollars. You put a golf club in my hand, it's worth about 100 bucks and you've just ruined a really good walk. But you put a golf club in the hands of Tiger Woods, it's worth millions. And the truth, there's a message here. I was, talking to, uh, I was talking to people yesterday, I was talking to some other pastors yesterday, and they said, you know, they said, oh, you know, we, we have a small group of people. And, and I said, you know what, it's not, it's not what you've got. It's whose hands you put it in. And our heart here at the Rock is we will, everything we've got, we're going to put in the hands of Christ because we will never be enough, our plans will never be enough, our formulas will never be enough, but Jesus is more than enough. And I am confident that if we do that, Jesus will do what he does here. You see, Jesus takes those five loaves and two fish and he breaks them. Now, it doesn't actually say he gives thanks for the food, because he doesn't particularly give thanks for the food. He could have given a Jewish customary thanksgiving and glorification to God but it says that he takes the loaves. Other accounts tell us that he takes the loaves and he breaks them. And it's in the breaking that comes the multiplication. You see... Those loaves of bread, they're just five loaves and uh, there's still only five loaves until Jesus breaks the bread and starts to distribute and then multitudes are fed. 20,000 people are fed and, and I know that there are people in this room that'll say, you know what, I have felt like or I do right now feel like that loaf of bread. Well, I've got some good news for you. Sometimes it is in the seasons where we feel the most broken that God is about to multiply you and multiply and feed through you. Let's keep reading. But what are they for so many? Verse 10, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place so the men sat down about 5,000 in number. Uh, They numbered the men. There must have been close to possibly 20,000. Jesus then took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed them as much as were seated. Here, I love this. I love the end of verse 11. So also the fish as much as they wanted. There's some good news this morning. There is as much of Jesus as you want. <laughs> the question comes, how much do we want Jesus? You can have your fill today. But how much do you want We live in a culture that has different wants. I get asked this question a lot, and there's people here that travel abroad. I've never travelled out of Australia because security issues; they won't let me out. But <laughs> 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 now they're saying, "Get out!" But one-way ticket. But, but, everybody's noticed the same thing, though, right? You ever noticed? You ever noticed how in developing countries? God seemed, everybody says God was working so powerfully in, in, in the Philippines or, or in Africa or, or all of these places. And you guys are heading to Africa uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, we need to get you to Africa. And, um, but, yeah, one way ticket, yeah. We, we, we rang the AFP, they said, no, we're not going to make it. But, but the, the reason is the higher reason, they're hungry. They want. And if we could change the want I've got some good news for you this morning. We can change the want out there when we change the want in here. Uh, Recently um, I often go for a ride on my bike, which is a great way to practice unjust persecution, by the way, if you ever, if you want to, if you want to practice unjust persecution, just turn the earphones off and go for a bike ride. You'll soon hear it, trust me. Um, but uh, one morning I was coming back, I'd been out for some time and I'm coming back, at about six o'clock and I came past an IJA, in fact it was the IJ supermarket at the, near the Thornlands there and someone had been cooking barbecue chickens. Oh, Hey, listen, when you're hangry, <laughs> all right, barbecued chicken smell. But do you know, I didn't feel hungry until I smelt those chickens. Didn't even think about it. But when I, all I could think about for the rest of the day was barbecued chicken. <laughs> it's not, And my heart for this church is that we would live such a life on fire for God that we would emit an aroma in the community that makes them hungry. Do you make the people you work with hungry for Jesus? You see, if you want them to be hungry, we've got to be hungry. And when they see the satisfaction that we have... Uh, we're going to we're going to cut to the chase really quickly what was the answer for these guys the answer is J, the lesson that Jesus wanted them to know in the immediate the, the disciples lessons coming up but the immediate for these guys was i am the bread of life that's what Jesus wants them to know i am uh, the, that is a categoric statement that says i am and and i love the i love the previous conversation because the uh, Jesus leads these guys i'll, I'll paraphrase it for you uh, but they follow him and they come after him and, and when they Find him, Jesus says, You're only following me because you filled your belly. You're only following me because of what you can get out of me. You're only following me because you had bread in your stomach. And Jesus says, Labour for the food that does not perish. And they ask a really, really good question What must I do to be doing the works? If you're Catholic this morning, the works with an S, if you're legalistic this morning. What must I do to be doing the works of God? Jesus cuts to the chase and says, it's real easy. The work, no S, the work of God, the one thing that we all must do, believe on the one that he has sent. You see, John tells us who Jesus is, but he gives us one response. Somewhere along the line, the last 2000 years in Christianity, we've developed all these half-hearted, kind of mixed up kind of responses, but John makes it clear, there is one response, and that is you believe. And that word believe is a verb that is a present participle, which means each living moment you are constantly casting the fullness of your trust and reliance in the saving work and in the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, who came in the flesh and paid the price for all mankind. He is the one that came to seek and save the lost. He is the good shepherd for the sheep that are wandering. He's the bread of life. You'll find nourishment nowhere else. But there's a further lesson this morning, and I think this is a lesson for maybe all of us at some point in our lives, and there's something else here for, for the disciples. Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, and then he, when he had given thanks, he distributed them to, to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. Verse 12, and when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, that's something going on here, uh, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. Not only, has every, not only has almost 20,000 people had as much as they wanted, in this particular instance, they will pick up 12 basketfuls of leftovers. Jesus has a message to the crowds and he has a message this morning to his disciples. And we can, we can pick up this in greater detail in Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And uh, it's uh, if you are following me, you can pick me up at verse 14. It's after the feeding of the 4,000 this time. Uh, The Pharisees arrogantly demand a sign. We come down to verse 14. Now now listen to this. Uh, uh, Now they had forgotten to bring bread. These guys are on their way on a journey, and the disciples had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them, In the boat. Ah, Okay. Jesus cautions them, saying, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. What What on earth are you talking about? Leaven is always sin, corruption. But the leaven... It's probably a little bit different to maybe what our conception is today. Today we think of yeast, we put yeast into a dough, but what they would do in in the ancient times, in the first century, what they would do is they would take a section, a very small section of a previous loaf and work it into a new batch. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is you need to be aware of the leaven because it will infiltrate all of the life of your life. But what is the leaven of the Pharisees? What is this leaven? What is this corruption? What is, uh, here's the hallmark of a Pharisee. The Pharisee says, I am enough. The Pharisee says, I can save myself. The Pharisee says, I've got this, God. I'll just implement my formulas. I'll implement my plans. I'll implement my my strategies. I've got this, God. You take a rest, take the day off, go and work on your tan. At the beach, God, I've got this. Uh, the Pharisees are people that say oh, I know God better than everybody else and it is this I am enough that is the leaven. It is this, this is, I can save myself, I have my own righteousness, I will build up uh, my own brownie points with God. That is the leaven of the Pharisees. Here's what Jesus goes on and says and, and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. <laughs> and Jesus is you're missing it, and Jesus was aware of this, and he said to them, uh, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? You've missed the lesson of the 5,000 and the 4,000. That's what he's going to say. Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember that when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you pick up? They said to him, 12. Yeah, and before you put those five loaves in the hand of Jesus, how much did you have? You didn't even have 12 basketfuls then. It's not finished. He goes on and says, they said to him, 12. And and the seven for the 4,000, how many basketful of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? Do you not yet understand that I am and I will always be more than enough for you. You do not have to labor to save yourself because I am more than enough to save you. I am more than enough to satisfy you. I am more than enough to fill you. We need to live a life and proclaim a message to our culture that says, Jesus is the more. We live in a culture, uh, I was, uh, and I have to confess that you couldn't get a car in my garage now either, but that's because I've got boys, I'm going to blame them. Uh, <laughs> anybody notice that when your kids grow up, uh, even when they do leave home, they leave all their stuff in the shed? Has anybody else ever noticed that? <laughs> I'm going to blame them anyway, but I was astounded. You'd take a trip around Brisbane with some open garage doors and see how many you can get a car into. We, we live amidst the culture which is kind of like the Rockefeller culture. You remember the question that was asked of Rockefeller, how much is enough? And he said, you know what, just a little bit more. I pray that God would do a transforming work amongst the whole of his body to change our wants. We hunger for many things, friends. Our hungers are far too often directed towards the things of this world. The message to the disciples and the message to the church is Jesus is the more. If you have nothing in the physical and you have Jesus and your fly rods... How many cars are enough? How many houses are enough? How many fly rods are enough, pastor? You can only cast one at a time, can't you? I'm working on it. Friends, I see a church where spiritually hungry people find the bread of life. And you know what? Sometimes there's spiritually hungry people on the pews of churches. But our commitment here as a leadership is that you will find the bread of life in this place. Amen. And I pray for myself. And please pray for me if you do, because, because I, am far, I want Christ far less than I want to. I want to want him more. And I know that you need to do a transforming work in, in my want, but I see a church where people find the bread of life, and I see a church where we live so passionately in love with Christ, that we emit an aroma that makes the community so hungry. What have you got? Let's pray. Jesus, you are the bread of life. The feeding of the 5,000 is a sign that you are more than enough. You are the only one who is enough. And so, Jesus, I pray that this church will always be a place where people will find the bread of life. I pray, Father, that we would so emit an aroma that we would awaken in a hunger in our community for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are the only one that satisfies our hearts and our souls. We love you and we want to love you more. We hunger for you and we want to hunger for you more. We want you, Lord, and we want to want you more. Increase our hunger. Increase our desire, we pray, in the glorious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website